So a little bit of panic in the city, a little bit of scarce supplies leading to people at their worst behavior and a few at their best. Sound familiar? Well, you'd think I was talking about this week in the news, but no. Well, not entirely. You see, today's interview was recorded several weeks back before the crazy corona train went into overdrive. But you know what? I can't help but think that it's no coincidence that the timing of its release is, well, timely. Because while what's happening now, right now, is in many ways unprecedented, this isn't the first time we faced uncertainty in our day-to-day lives. And I think this conversation with today's guest is a special gift reserved for such a time as this. Well, Goshen Begora, very happy St. Patrick's Day to you. Well, in a few days anyway. And yeah, yeah, I know everybody's Irish on St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, but guess what? I really am. So, of course... That means I get to speak in a bad Irish brogue without penalty, but I'll stop. Um, But it also means it's the perfect excuse to talk about some of my own great connections to the Emerald Isle. Now, I am a firm believer that when you have a connection to greatness, however tertiary, you need to milk it for all it's worth. So that's why I am so pleased to welcome back to the Isle of Misfits, our very special guest, an up-and-coming, while well, at the same time, award-winning author who also happens to be an expert on the Civil War and, in my opinion, on the human condition as well. And, oh, yeah, I forgot to mention the connection. Better than tertiary, folks. It's one degree of separation. It's my very own sister, Kathleen L. Maher. Welcome back to the aisle, Kathleen, or Kathy. It's nice to be back. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure, and it's a balmy 60 degrees here in upstate New York. I feel like I'm on a tropical island. Oh, yeah, I'm in total denial. Uh, You know, we're, I think we're right around there, too, in my hometown of Buffalo. And, you know, I know real spring isn't going to come for another two months, but let me have this moment, is what I say. Well, happy St. Patrick's Day to you also, and I'm excited to talk about our Irish roots. Yeah, let's do it. And if you don't mind, I'm going to call you Kathy, because Kathleen's a little too formal for me. But, you know, if you insist, it's your show. Yeah, it it looks good on a book cover, Kathleen, but for day to day, Kathy is much easier on the phone. All right. Thank you so very much. So, okay. So before we commence, actually, while we commence with our Irish discussions today, you know, we have to start here. You've been here before. You know what's coming. I make no apologies. It's time to play a stupid game. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. Today's stupid game, of course, brought to you by BuzzFeed.com. How Irish are you? Are you ready to play? Are you ready to tell us? I already know how Irish you are, but hey, I think we need to make this official. As mom would say, Irish is Patty's pig. All right. We'll see if it comes up. All right. And I promise. Actually, no, I don't promise I won't break out into a bad brogue every now and then. But we'll just have to see what happens. All right. Are you ready? Question number one. You've lost your phone. What do you do? Multiple choice now. Do you look for it in the last place you left it? Do you pray to St. Anthony or do you call it from another phone? 
No wrong answers. Well, maybe there are. I I might have option D. (laughs) Oh, wait a minute. There is an option D. Resign yourself to a life off the grid. Oh, that's even better. Yeah, let's go with that one. Okay. All right. All right. Got it. Got it. Got it. All right. All right. Moving right along. You're in a corner shop. What do you purchase? Milk and cigarettes? A chicken filet roll? A breakfast roll? Or the newspaper? I don't know if anybody even reads the print newspaper anymore. I know. Yeah, BuzzFeed should know better. But I think I'll choose that one because I need to, you know, stand with my peeps in the publishing industry. Okay. (laughs) All right. We'll see if that makes you Irish or not. All right. All right. Then the next question. What do you call your parents? Mom and dad, mammy and daddy, their first names or mom and pop? What would a good Irish Irish would be ma and da. Uh, yeah, and it doesn't so, even come up. Yeah, see, BuzzFeed doesn't know. They know they just nothing. Don't know. Yeah, I think mom and dad, that, that's maybe the closest, but that's more uh, more British, I believe. All, All right. right, A, I guess, random. Okay, mom and dad. All right. A tourist stops you in the street asking for directions. You don't know the answer. What do you do? Do you direct them to the tourist information office? Do you shrug and tell them, ask someone else, tell them you'll walk with them for a bit to see if you can remember, or do you Google directions for them? I had no idea there was an Irish answer for this, but apparently there is. <laughs> um, I think the walking a bit, I, I think that sounds Irish to me. It does sound rather neighborly. Okay, here we go. All right, cup of tea? Oh, yes, berries, please. License would be great. Do you have Earl Grey? Or, no thanks, I don't like hot drinks. Hmm, all right. So we got berries, we got berries, lions, I think I said lions, sorry, Uh, berries, lions, Earl Grey, or no, no. Earl Grey is probably very British, but I like it. Okay, that's all right, this is your quiz, you do what you want. Okay, we're coming in for a landing here. (laughs) Question, all right, last question. Bono is the lead singer of U2, a musician and an activist, a famous Irishman, a pox. As in, he all yeah. Above? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there should be an E here, but sorry, Bono. You are loved. Yeah, so what do you think he is? An Irishman. Okay, he's, a, he's an Irishman. Okay, you got, are you ready for your results? Yes. Okay, you got as Irish as Darby O'Gill and the Little People. So that that assumes that we even know who they are. So apparently I'm not all that Irish. So it shows my own vetting of the Irish quizzes. And I managed to do the whole thing without really breaking into a brogue until right this very moment. So, all right. Well, you did a fine job. You've already got to the mug, but, you know, I'll send you another if for some reason you threw the last one out the window, which, you know. I could understand at this point. So, fine job. Congratulations. I know that you're Irish, so you got nothing to prove. (laughs) Thank you. I get to keep my Irish card. Yes, and you can keep the mug, or you can throw it out the window. Your choice. So, okay, now that, I don't know, 15 minutes later, uh, let's talk about, let's talk about why you're really here. Um, so, and actually, I want to, I want to start, I want to go back to your formal name. Let's start there, because I introduced you by your formal name, Kathleen L. Maher, uh, as opposed to any other letter in the alphabet. So, I think it's a good place to start. Why, what's, what's the, what's the deal with the L? Why the L? Well, that's a great question. It is Lee, and it's not the feminine uh, spelling. It's not L-E-I-G-H, like Vivian Lee. It is L-E-E, which uh, happens to be 
the surname of one of our ancestors, our great really? great grandfather, William Lee. Really? Wow, it's as if mm-hmm. I didn't know that, and I just gave you a great segue to talk about more. Tell us more. <laughs> so I kind of know about the connections here, but you're really the family historian. So tell, yeah, let's let's talk about that. So you're saying we have a connection to General Lee. What? Come on. Well, no. Um, actually, one of our, I think it was Aunt Mimi or Mamie. What is it? <laughs> Mamie, I think. <laughs> She yeah. claimed we were related to Robert Lee, but I don't, I think, you know, as her sister would say, you're putting on airs. So uh, I don't think we're actually a legitimate relative of, of Robert E. Lee or the, the, that famous family. Um, I think I they but were someone just really over. liked him. Is that, that's what you're saying. So I'm yeah. putting words in your mouth. <laughs> this is how rumors get started. This is how myths get going. Yes. So, all right. Set me straight. Yeah. So, no, they were Scotch Irish. Um, we are. We're not the lace curtain Irish. We are the 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 working Irish. The 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 no Irish need apply Catholic Irish. <laughs> um, but now we're the other kind because we converted to Protestantism. But our our heart is still with our ancestors, and you know, hats off for all they they had to get you know through to to get to the new world and overcome famines and. Uh, arguably genocide because, you know, the British were pretty hard on the Irish and some of their policies did lead to the potato famine. Um, But anyway, I could go off on a bunny trail there, whereas the Irish call them conies. (laughs) Um, So, ooh, ooh, a coney trail. Let's go off on a coney trail. All right, so tell me, tell me about this. Well, sure. Um, The Irish have been maligned. They've been, you know, the low man on the totem pole, so to speak. They they were indentured servants. They were slaves. They were persecuted by the British. Um, There was a time when, you know, the wearing of the green was was not uh, legal. And, you know, their national symbol, the Irish harp, and I I had to look this up, the the proper Gaelic pronunciation. Ready for it? Okay, I'm ready. Clare sock. (laughs) The Clare sock, as in put on your socks? Okay. Like a shock. Like an electric shock. The Clare shock. So that was actually, um, it was illegal. It was banned. And for a long time, there, there was no Irish harp. Um, it came back into vogue in, in, in the 1800s. But okay. so there's this history, this long, long, long history, almost like the Jewish people of persecution, of, of being, you know, having an overlord over them. And, and uh, they, they couldn't even often own their own land. They, they, would, they would be tenant farmers in their own country for, for British lords. Okay. All right. And, so... Uh, here, all right. I'm gonna. I'm. I promise I wouldn't interject. And here I am interjecting because you know everything that you're saying is history. You can look it up. It exists. You're not making this up, right? Snopes would check it out. And yet, why don't we? Why don't we hear about this? Oh, I think you hear about it around St. Patty's Day. You know, I, I think you know PBS always has a really good documentary of the Irish in America and their history. Okay. And you know, once they got here, it was the no Irish need apply if you were the the wrong kind of Irish, if you were the okay. Catholic kind that uh, right. came over during during the famine, and um, you you were lucky to get uh, an unskilled laboring job, um, and you know, and yet. The Irish were the ones that built the bridges, built the railroads, built 
the infrastructure during, you know, the industrial boom. They were the soldiers, they were the policemen, the, the servicemen, you know, firefighters. Uh, even to this day, you, you still see the Irish names. Um, but here's the thing about history and, and human nature. Uh, hurting people end up hurting other people. Mm. And the pendulum swings, and sometimes you get this backlash where the oppressed becomes the oppressor. And the, the reason I'm here today is to talk about the book that uh, I'm releasing right around St. Patty's Day. And it's uh, Irish history, American history. Um, the uh, infamous draft riots in New York City in 1863. Uh, so my book is called Bachelor Buttons, and it's a short story. It's, it's a novella, technically. It's between a short story and a novel. And it tells a vignette of a, an Irish girl and her two love interests. And she has to choose one or the other. And it's all set during that tumultuous time in, in New York City. They actually call it the Battle of Manhattan. <laughs> so um, what, what do right. you want to know? All right. So I want to I go back to this because all right, you said two things. You said, you know, the oppressed become the oppressors, hurting people end up hurting people. So that's one direction. And at the same time, you're this idea of, yeah, people know this. This is history. You can look it up. Uh, PBS has, you know, features, St. Patrick's Day, we talk about it. And yet, so it's to me, this is one of these things that, yeah, we know it, but maybe because it's not the vogue thing to know, it's, it's there, but it's kind of there but under our radar. Like you just said, the Battle of Manhattan is like, what? Who's studying yeah. about that in school? Like, all right, yeah, mm -hmm. it's it's information that's out there, but I would contend that most people don't really know about this, which I guess is why no. we're here to talk about this today. So You're right. It's, yeah. It's such a fascinating bit of history. So, so yeah, tell us, uh, yeah, tell, yeah, tell us about the Battle the of Manhattan. Yeah, the background here. Uh, during the Civil War, you know, it was... It, the war went on much longer than anybody thought. They all thought it would be like a 90-day war. They'd come home, plant their crops, and it'd be over with. So what happened was uh, Lincoln was running out of men, and he had to order a draft uh, because the, the casualties were ridiculously high. It was, you know, the, the Civil War was the first of modern warfare, and yet terribly lagging behind in the medical advances. So you had, you know, 30,000 dying in one battle. It was crazy. So anyway, Lincoln calls for a draft. And what happens is there's a backlash because if you were rich, you could buy your way out of the draft. You could pay a $300 commutation fee and some poor person who couldn't afford it would end up serving in your place. And mm -hmm. that was, you know, by and large, the Irish. And at the same time, the folks that were competing for the Irish jobs, the unskilled laboring jobs, were the freedmen, the, the black people who had escaped slavery or maybe were born free, living up north. They were not yet citizens because, you know, the 13th and 14th Amendments hadn't been passed till after the war. So they were exempt from the draft. So what do you think was brewing? I think there was a lot of resentment brewing resentment against the Republicans because a lot of these Irish were Democrats. They called them copperheads. They were against the war. Um, and they there was resentment. You know, they weren't rich. They, they didn't have influence. And they were going to have to leave jobs that were so hard won 
and see, you know, another people come in and, and take, take their jobs. And when they came back from the war, if they came back from the war, they may not have a job to support their family. So a lot of these Irish went to the, the draft stations, the draft offices, and protested. So the protests started to turn violent. And unfortunately, there were some really horrible things that happened, uh, atrocities. They burned down an orphanage that served uh, black children. They lynched black men in the streets, uh, threw bricks through windows, you know, shop windows of both the business district and, and black neighborhoods. Really ugly history. And, and here's what's so fascinating. You had some Irish doing these horrible atrocities, but you had other Irish that were the soldiers, the firemen, the police coming in to stop the rioting. So there's, uh, there's that. It's, it's ironic. Okay. Right. So, you, yeah, so you, this is like the dichotomy of humanity, right? Like we're capable of the worst things, we're capable of the best things. You just, exactly. and you just mentioned redemption. So let's, let's pick up this story here with this redemption, because I know that's what this story that you wrote called Bachelor Buttons is all about. So uh, without giving it all away, because you want people to read it, what's the, what's, what's, the, what's the backdrop here? You have some Irish that are up in arms over these draft, uh, this draft decree, feeling powerless and taking matters into their own hands. And then, oh, by the way, as long as we're throwing bricks through windows, let's grab and loot <laughs> in the name of oppression. And, well, that, um, you know, good thing that kind of stuff doesn't happen anymore, right? So I'm glad we've <laughs> learned from history. But I digress. Yeah. All right. So sorry. Yeah, we've continued. very civilized. Yeah. Um, so, and then you had Irish that not only did their civil duty, but did their neighborly duty. There were neighborhoods where these rioters came in and the Irish in those neighborhoods said, no, you're not going to do that here. You're not going to pick on our black neighbors. You're not going to destroy the businesses that have served us. And they would rally and chase the rioters away. So you... As you as you so perfectly said, there were good and bad, and it wasn't just because they were oppressed. It was what was in their heart. It was what their uh, what Abraham Lincoln would call the the better angels of their nature uh, dictated their behavior to, to to do to rise up and to defend you know justice and right uh, right. Yeah. So, okay. So in, in that, I mean, I think this is a good time to pause again and reflect on, you know, our tendency to say, well, there's those people, there's those bad people over there and there's these good people over here. And of course I'm on the side of the good people, right? That's what we all, you know, that's how we, we kind of categorize, you know, there's two kinds of people in this world. And yet, this whole better angels uh, reference of, of Lincoln is the truth really is it's not them and us good that the good and the bad is, is well within each person. Right. I think it was Solzhenitsyn who said, you know, that, 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 that line runs through every heart. Isn't that the center message of the gospel? We have to choose to allow the redemptive work of Jesus Christ to come and, and be the captain or the umpire over our decisions. We we have to choose to yield redeemed nature once once we accept 
the leadership of Jesus Christ. And I know you have audience members that say, give me a break. Even if you take Jesus out of the equation, you still have to wrestle with good and evil. And the fact that we're all capable of both. And where does that come from? What do we do with it? Well, I, I believe that, that, you know, Jesus's answer is the answer. We have to be redeemed from that, that wicked nature so that God's light can shine through us and overcome that darkness. Right, right. So, so you've got this as a backdrop for the story, you know, humanity making choices, some appealing to the darkness within us, and some appealing, again, to these better angels. And so let's go a little deeper into the story. Your heroine, what, so, yeah, so what's, what's going on with her? In the story, uh, Rose Meehan, she's just, you know, an, a young Irish lass in, in the tenements of Manhattan, the, the Lower East Side, and her father is away often. He's a longshoreman, and the mother has, has passed away. And so Rose and her sister are trying to help raise their baby brother. And they're right at marrying age, and Rose has two eligible young men interested in her (laughs) and she has to decide which she's going to uh, allow to court her so she proposes a very unusual contest to help her decide and what's fun about this and i know you already know this nancy is this is all based on our actual great great grandmother and great great grandfather's courtship which is, yeah, a wonderful element to the story. So, yeah, you're not making this stuff up. I mean, perhaps a little artistic license, but, yeah, this is based on real events and real people. Well, you know, and this is what's so fun about the Irish. They can be in the most god-awful circumstances, and they they keep their sense of humor. They keep, uh, you know, their zest for life. You know, and I know it's not just the Irish, but it's, (laughs) it's fun. Because, you know, that, that is our, our heritage. And um, they just have this, this wonderful resilience and pluck. And this is Rose. Rose is a fun-loving young lady. And she, she has, you know, she approaches life with uh, kind of childlike naivety. And she is a, maybe just a little bit set in what she's used to, you know, her upbringing and... Oh, that doesn't bit. sound very Irish at all, actually. Yeah, I think you've really veered. Yeah, <laughs> you know, stubbornness? I, I, no, that doesn't ring familiar at all. <laughs> well, aren't we all? I mean, we all have our little ghettos that we come from, uh, intellectually speaking and socially speaking. And oh, so you're saying that's a human out. trait? It's not just the Irish? Okay, well, that makes me feel better. <laughs> And so, you know, when change or, uh, you know, exploring outside of those walls, you know, is proposed, there's, there's a little bit of uh, trepidation, a little bit of hesitation. And without giving away too much, the suitor that she ends up choosing introduces her to a very different culture and a very different world based on his associations. And she has a little learning curve to, to undergo. She has a growth arc, as we say in, in the writing community. Characters have to go from one place and end up in, in, a, in another place in, in their growth arc. And I think uh, Rose is very much like that. She has her eyes open. I don't want to use that, that popular term, woke, because I think woke is not fully awakened to all the truth, but 
yeah, you could say she yes. was woke. So Rose was woke before there was woke, is what you're really saying. <laughs> she was yeah. she was pre woke. Yes. Yep. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So you've got a great backdrop here. You've got all this drama going on, real life stuff. Uh, the you know just the the backdrop of of conflict, and not just conflict, but really you know turmoil in in one of mm-hmm. the most tumultuous times in our history. They're literally in the hotbed of it. You know, the summer of you know sixty three Manhattan. It doesn't get much much more tumultuous than that in terms of just just picturing the the grittiness of it and the and the literal heat of it the the physical heat and the heat of the mm-hmm. of the moment politically societally culturally all this is going on and yet you contend somewhere in the midst of all that conflict is redemption and can you can you maybe just pull out just just give us a little tease maybe something yeah here's what i'm talking about redemption wise well, sure. Um, I've hinted at it before that it was the Irish that came in and put out fires. Uh, it was the Irish that came in and restored order, whether they were police or soldiers. But it was also often Irish neighbors that would rush in and drive away the mobs before the police could even get there and uh, save neighbors, save businesses, save communities from looting and uh, violence and damage and destruction. And I think we're going to see some of that play out uh, with my fictitious characters that were based on real-life characters. And um, we're going to see how that looked, you know, in real life and not just a a dry, dusty history book. How people would would come to the aid of, of one another, even though they had such vast cultural differences. They could find common bonds and common interests. And, you know, I think there's, uh, okay, it brings to mind, actually, and I don't think he's an Irishman, but he's popular these days. So Mr. Rogers is one of the famous things that you see this meme going around, especially during crises, right, when something big happens, um, that, you know, he said, my mother always told me, look for the helpers, right? Even Mm -hmm. so in the midst of all of, you know, whatever's going on, a tragedy, the way we can stay sane, the way we can have hope. And obviously he's talking to children, but it applies to adults too. You look for the helper. So even even in a mob scene, even you know, in during in the midst of riots, even in the midst of the same population where some people are doing terrible things, you're going to find those helpers. You're going to find those people. It's a matter of keeping your eyes open. And it also I think requires us to be a little more responsible in our thinking, maybe um rise above our tendency to be lazy in categorizing people, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. the whole, you know, we haven't even gone here yet, um, but maybe we should go here for a second. You know, we throw this term racism around a lot, right? And and I'm not trying to minimize. I'm not trying to say it doesn't exist. What I do want to say, though, is I think there's a term we don't talk about as much, at least I don't hear it as much, that's an umbrella even over racism and that word is prejudice mm-hmm. because you know racism yeah that's that's uh, treating people unfairly according to their race but prejudice right. is any unfair judgment we make about anyone that we don't know so well, sure. i don't know that's a really important distinction and and i also want to make the distinction of people who just don't know better 
And and I know right. <laughs> I can hear the screams. That's no excuse. And no, you're right. It's no excuse. Even you know if if, you, if the cop pulls you over and you say I didn't know that was a law. Well, you, ignorance is no excuse. You broke the law. Okay, we've established that. But there can be intentional ugliness, and there can be unintentional ugliness. And when I read scripture, I see God say many lashes to the one who does wrong who knew they were doing wrong and fewer lashes to the ones who did something wrong, but, but didn't necessarily mean it. So there's a little flexibility there. I'm just saying there might be a little grace for people whose ignorance and lack of exposure to something. Sure. Yeah. And I, yeah, I get that. Um, You're absolutely right. And I, I think it's, I'm glad you make that distinction because you know, ignorance is one thing. Hate is another thing, right? And that can apply equally whether we're talking about racism or that general term of prejudice. And, you know, again, my, my point in bringing this up is, you know, yeah, some of the great authors of years gone by have addressed this, like, you know, Jane Austen, Pride and Prejudice, you know, and that wasn't about race at all. It was about class and culture and privilege. Right. Right. So, so the thing is, prejudice can be inclusive, obviously, of people that are of a different skin color than us, but it, it also can be as damaging. And, and I just think that we, we, we have left that out of our conversation. And mm-hmm. I think it's important because we, you know, we're judging people that we don't know all the time all the time and skin color is only one component of it not not only are we all going to be perpetrators of this because we're human we're all also going to be victims of prejudice and it's what we do in that moment to choose to cry victim and to choose to justify our sin nature in retaliation or are we going to say you know what i've been given grace i need to extend grace I have been shown mercy, I will show mercy, and you can be above that, and you don't have to be someone that's that's keeping score. There's so many different facets and, and angles of prejudice or discrimination or favoritism or nepotism. You could just be chasing your tail all day long looking for justice. I think we just have to be justice. We have to determine that we're going to choose, uh, what is that scripture I love? I think it's in Micah. I have chosen, I have showed you a man what is good to do justly, to walk humbly, and right. I'm butchering To love mercy. Nope, to love mercy. Yep, yes. love mercy, act justly. To walk yep. with your God. Yes, that's our choice as human beings. We have to be sensitive to the nudge of the Holy Spirit when we're crossing a line, when we are entering into prejudgment or justifying our wrong treatment of somebody else because they did it to me first or because I feel oppressed or because I feel disadvantaged. Um, I will give a little teaser in the book. Rose is in a situation where she's witnessing some looting going on and, you know, she's been raised right. (laughs) She had a good mother and father, but, you know, there's something in her saying, wow, I could really use a new hat. I haven't had a new hat in three Mm -hmm. years. Right. And you start thinking, you know, everybody else is doing it. What would be the harm? They wouldn't even know. And she says, wait a minute. No, I'm not that person. 
and she she pulls herself back from that thought before mm-hmm. it, it it takes feet. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah, we all, you know, well, they're cheating on their taxes. I, you know, we can all be in that situation, whether it's physical looting with bricks and brick bats, <laughs> or you know, the quiet, uh, more polite little sins and crimes that we could be tempted to make because, you know, fill in the blank because I feel oppressed or I feel underprivileged or I feel whatever. It puts me in mind of another Irish phrase and I'm certain I've heard our mothers speak, I don't know how many dozens, probably hundreds of times over the years, but there but for the grace of God, go I, is really yeah. what you're just, what you're saying. It's, That's right. We're all capable. Yeah. So she remembered who she was. I think that's an excellent, excellent point. You know, because in that one story, all of us, as you said, are confronted with that. And and it's easy to say, well, I would never, you know, especially in light of history. We we look at history sometimes through this lens of, oh, those, those foolish people. I would never do what they did because I'm so enlightened by virtue of the fact that I live, you know, in these modern times, you know, mm-hmm. as, as if somehow modernity and technology has, has made us superior. And we actually believe that. And I think sometimes we need to be reminded that, no, we're capable even within ourselves. We're all tempted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing yep. under the sun. And right. sin and is still sin. We still have to deal with our sin nature. Right. And sometimes we are the victim, but sometimes we are the oppressor and we can be both even at the same time. And that's that's something that's uncomfortable to grapple with. And this big, long rabbit slash coney trail that we've been on, I think, you know, I, I want to circle back because to me, this this is the arc that you're talking about. That your that your character based on our great grandmother was a great or great, great grandmother. Based on Catherine, this was her arc because, you know, we all have that story, but this is her story that you're Mm -hmm. telling. And and I think it's a story worth hearing and worth considering. Well, I'd like to think so. I I think it's still so much in the hearts and minds and consciences of who we are as as Americans and as human beings. There are just some things we've tried in so many ways to overcome, and it really does come down to each individual yielding to the right influence or the wrong. Right, and we all have that choice to make. You know, I love the story. You actually released this book a while back, but this is a re-release, if I'm understanding correctly, with a new cover and maybe some new material. So let's talk about that. When? It's available for pre-order right now, and it releases, well, depending on when this podcast airs, it releases March 15th, so possibly today, if that's the day you're hearing this. Um, so it will be just in time for St. Patty's uh, Day. <laughs> That's right, just before St. Patty's Day, and uh, what a coincidence! And uh, it's going to be at that ninety-nine cent price for the first month, and then I believe it's going to go back up to a dollar ninety-nine. So grab it while it's still, you know, pretty cheap. And, uh, yeah, and, yeah. And Although I'd that. say a dollar ninety nine is still pretty cheap, but if you want it insanely cheap, yes. I mean ninety nine cents. You can't even yeah. You can't even buy a newspaper for that anymore. So, but I'm just saying, get it, get it, get it. You won't regret it. Ooh, I rhymed. <laughs> so with that, uh, with the launch, I'm um, doing a contest. It's a raffle copter. I'm actually in with another author on this. She writes beautiful stories of historical 
uh, nature, and uh, she and I both are launching a book in March, and so we're doing a raffle copter. The top prize is fifty dollars for an Amazon gift card. Okay. There's a second so, prize of a twenty-five dollar Amazon gift card, and some so other things. So it just keeps getting better, people. <laughs> and I was goodie basket. So look in the blog for the links for that and enter. All right. I'll have all the links. Yeah, so you got you got the fifty dollar gift certificate. You say you have some Irish goodies in there. So I mean, incentive upon incentive upon incentive. But the the best incentive truly is the story itself. Um, whether you love history and oh, by the way, yeah, there is a romance in there for you, romance people. But um, over all of that, arcing overall, that is some beautiful writing. I will say it. You, yeah, you have this gift of word pictures and you know you really you don't just tell a story you 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 paint a story you paint a backdrop and you really understand the human condition as i referenced earlier um in your introduction so um well worth it like it's a bargain it's a steal it's it's actually it's scandalous at this price to to get such a beautifully crafted story Thank you. Thank you so much for having me today. And it's just been so much fun talking about these things. And um, I just uh, really appreciate the Iowa Misfits. Uh, So if y'all want your own chance to win your own free copy of Bachelor Buttons, subscribe. Subscribe to Iowa Misfits, and we're going to do a random drawing of one name so you can download that to your Kindle. Ooh, yay. I love randomness. So one more, one more reason. So yes, and share this podcast for people that love history and just even a random conversation between sisters that really wasn't so random. At least your part wasn't. So thanks for, you know, thanks for putting up with me for another recorded conversation. Kathleen L. Maher, who has allowed me to call her Kathy. And um, I know we're going to have you back because I know you're going to keep writing great stuff. And even if you don't, we can just talk about things because you're much smarter than me and I need to learn. You've kissed the blimey stone. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much um, for having me. No, thank you. So aside from being a gifted author and brilliant historian, that Kathleen Elmaher's a generous sort. Oh, yes, she is, because she's doing so many giveaways. It's hard to list them off here. So here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to send you straight to the Isle of Misfits, that's I-S-L-E of Misfits.com, where you can find the show notes with all the info and all the links and set yourself up for a fabulous prize. And like I said, 99 cents for this kind of writing is a prize in and of itself, seriously. So either way, it's a win for you. Oh, and by the way, you can follow her on Facebook. Just look her up at Kathleen L. Maher, author. And you can find out all that's going on in her literary world. Very worth the follow. Um, And hey, you know, I said this at the beginning. We are in uncertain times, and it's true. But one thing is certain. There's still a whole lot of beauty and truth out there and lots and lots of opportunities to love your fellow misfit. Maybe now more than ever. So own that beautiful awkward of yours. Because someone out there needs what you have more than you know.